You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com. From verse 14 to chapter 12. Here for the third time, I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden. For I seek not what is yours, but you. The children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and did get the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I said to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? Is it in the sight of God? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking of Christ and all for your upbuilding. Beloved, for I fear, I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealous, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. You hear the heart and pole. This is the third time I'm coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to make the test. I hope that you will find that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong, that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, 
I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in the, my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not tearing down. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. You can also interpret that. Chris high five. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. In reflecting upon that reading and even reflecting on the last two months of 2 Corinthians, um, here's a question. Why are you here? Why are you here? What's the motivation behind your even being here today? Maybe you're someone and you go, look, I don't know why, but I think it's, I think it's important. That's why I'm here. Maybe your motivation is, uh, I'm here out of obligation. If I don't come to church, my parents or my grandparents would be very disappointed. Or maybe you're here today because, you know what, I'm here, Louis, because... When I come together with my church family, I am reminded of something every single week that I don't get reminded of at work, that I don't get reminded of in the Netflix series, that I don't get reminded of when I watch the news, that I don't get reminded of as I read the, as I read the back of the milk bottle, as I eat my cereal of the morning. I come because I'm here because I'm going to, again, I'm entrusting myself to God and putting my hope again in the person work of Jesus. Why are you here? Over the last... Uh, two months now, we've been working through the book of 2 Corinthians. And Paul has, in many different ways, been seeking to share with this church and help them consider, without asking that question, that question. He's been uh, reasoning with them about why he's had to write the letter in the first place. He's been reasoning with them why he hasn't come back from his second visit from Macedonia. Things didn't go so well on the last visit. He's been... Uh, uh, he, in many ways, he has been the, the velvet sledgehammer or the iron feather duster as he has said some really hard things and called to mind some things that they really need to consider about their relationship with one another, with him and with God. But at the same time, he's always been affirming his affection for them, always reminding them that he feels like their dad, that he, he cares for them, that he wants the best for them. But he, he gets, he, the whole time he's been working around trying to get them to consider, well, actually, like, where is your confidence, guys? Like, why are you even doing this? And we get to now into chapter 13. I think verse 5 of chapter 13 is a wonderful summary of so much of the logic of the book of 2 Corinthians, where Paul says in his final words, it's like, if you forget anything else, as this is read in front of the church, he goes, Examine yourselves, Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Oh, that's what we've been building up to. I kind of felt like that's what he was saying the whole time. Oh, you cut me deep, Shrek. You cut me real deep just now. 
Examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Like, guys, like we, we've had some hard yards going on here. I've visited and it was awkward, but I didn't come back. And now I'm writing to you again and I've given you some things to think about your generosity, your view of ministry, how you understand the gospel, what is the good news of Jesus. And now, look, I'm just going to come in and say, examine yourselves. Basically, it's like, guys, are you even, are you even Christians? Or do you not realize this about yourselves? Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? What a question. Why are you here, Corinthians? Why are we even a part of that church family? What's even bringing you together? And if you cast your mind back over the book, it's just like, is it because you're oppressed by the super apostles? Is it because you're impressed because of the spirituality? Is it because you're impressed by the miraculous? Is it because you've got all these common interests? Is it because you get something out of it? Is it like, why are you here? Corinthians. This is the question for the church in Corinth. Now, as you examine that question, it's a good question to ask, to examine ourselves, to figure out our motivations for life and what we do. There's great danger in tradition. There's great danger in even doing things that aren't, don't look like tradition. Great danger in being appealed to things that are appealing. And Paul's asking them to examine themselves. Now, what's he asking them to look for? Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Now, the question there is, how do you know if Jesus Christ is in you? How do you know? How do you know? Now, I love, uh, I think it's actually very appropriate that Paul does this right at the end of his letter. Um, because if you have um, been tracking through this letter with us for the whole time, you, have, you, you should be able to recognize the points at which, yeah, Jesus Christ is in me as we've worked through this letter, as he's touched on generosity as he's touched on loving one another, as he's touched on what is the good news and if that is good news. See, there's four categories, three categories that you can fall into as you examine yourself. Four categories, three categories, sorry, three categories. The first category is people in Corinth examine themselves. You here today, you examine yourself and you go, you know what? I'm not a Christian. Second one is, I am, but I've got a whole lot of blind spots, still new. And there's a way that you know, is that you? And then the other one is, I am a Christian. I know that. And I can tell by what it is that I love. Now this letter, Paul has been, he opens, he finishes in verse 12 and he says, when I come, I will not, I, perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. That perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you. I may have to mourn over them. That many of you have sinned earlier and have not repented. Is Christ in you? 
You can think of today or you can cast your mind back over the last 10 weeks of 2 Corinthians and you'll be able to say, yes, if you look at, you just start with that list. These things. Correlate. Jealousy. Anger. Hostility. Slander. Love your slander. Seen those guys? Yeah, they sucked at it. It sucked so hard. Gossip. What did you hear about? What can I tell you about? Conceit. Just can't forgive that person. Disorder. You'll know if Christ is in you. You'll know if you're a Christian. If you feel those things, even from that one reading, and you see those things and you lament those things. And as you lament, you know the only way that you can be changed by those things is by recognizing Christ in you to work with you to change those things. Because if you read through that list and you're like, I don't have a problem with any of that. I'm quite happy hating my neighbor. I enjoy a bit of gossip. Sure, you know, I'm quite happy being wanting all of that, looking after all of that. I'm reveling these, these things and there is not a hint of guilt in my soul about doing that at all. Examine yourselves. Is that you? Then I would say that the Spirit of God is not at work in your heart. There's a picture of common modern day society. Taking pride in the things that dishonor God. So in the, in the middle, it's like, uh, is, is Christ in you? But you've got a whole lot of blind spots. Is Christ at work in your heart? You read a list like that and you're like, you do a bit of introspective, introspection. You start to examine yourself. And all of a sudden, it's like shining a torch through your heart. It's like shining the light. And you're like, oh, there's some. And then you see it and you're like, oh, yuck. Shine around and you look a bit more and you're like, oh, I see that. Oh, oh, no, I don't like that. I don't want that as a part of my life. That is, uh, that's it. And, and, you, and you want to change. You, you, you lament that. And you want to do something, you want to get it out. But there's a sense of powerlessness. I can't get that out of my own. I'm stuck. I'm, I, I, I'm stuck. I suck. I can't do anything. Like, why is it? I'm, I, ugh, help. And I didn't know it was there. Now that you've been reading out the Bible, Louis, now I feel real bad. Stop it. It's really awkward now. Like, we're outside and it's beautiful. Now we're talking about envy and slander and gossip. Now no one feels good about themselves. Like, this is a church. What are you doing, Lord? And then there's those that would examine themselves and they already know that that's there. Right? You spend enough time in the Bible, you spend enough time with Jesus, and you are very clear on where your behaviors are at. You know, it's just like, yes, I know I have a. I know that I have a proclivity to these things that dishonor God. I know that if I am left alone and if I am not intentional, 
If I'm not deliberate, if I'm not training myself in righteousness, I know that that's where I'm going to go. I know that if I need to find secure and hope and comfort, so often I don't run to Jesus, I run to X or Y or Z. Dang it, it goes all the way through A, B, C, D, to Z. Those are the things that I run to instead of Jesus, but I know they're there and I'm not happy with it. And so I'm, I'm throwing myself every day upon the mercy of God to say, Lord, here I am, please help again. Your grace is sufficient. Your power is made perfect in weakness. Now, if you think about what Paul has been doing in this letter so far up to this point, he again has been laying out these different things that if the church in Corinth is like reading it and going, oh, wow, yeah, I had a whole lot of blind spots. They're like the middle category, a whole lot of blind spots. Now you say it, Paul, now that you say it, oh, that's not on, is it? Christ at work in my heart, his Holy Spirit bringing things to light. We need to do something about this. But here's Paul, he writes this. He's not there reading it out to them. He can gauge their, gauge their uh, reaction straight away. He says, so it's like, you do the first examination because I can't help you right now. You need to do the first examination. You need to figure it out because I can't adjust here. Because if there's some of you that are just like, we're not worried about that stuff at all. We're quite happy to keep gossiping. We're quite happy to keep slandering. We're quite happy with all the sexual immorality that's going on in our church. He can keep sleeping with his stepmom. I don't mind. We're free in Christ. So it's like, to pause, it's like, refer to 1 Corinthians, please. Because Paul in this letter, he's, doing, he's, he's getting them ready for his next visit. He's like, guys, take some time. Reflect where you at. And I may rock up when I come back for my third visit. And it's like, oh, the church got real small. Did a lot of people leave? Are a lot of people on holiday? It's like school holidays. Kind of like this week, school holidays, a lot of people away. So it's like, well, no, Paul, actually, we read the letter. We read the letter. And um, there's a bunch of guys that just took you seriously. And they were just like, yeah, we're, uh, turns out we don't have Christ in us. And we don't actually value any of that stuff. So we just went and started our own church or thing. Or we filled our Sundays differently now. Or he might rock up and it's just like the church in Corinth is just like, you know what, Paul, thank you so much. We were so blind to this stuff. We were so immature in our faith. We read it through and we're just like, we realize we've got some stuff to work on. And um, yeah, we're, we're just going to keep our posture ears. God, we, we can't do it in our own strength. Please help. Here's our posture. Paul doesn't know what he's about to walk into. Paul doesn't know what he's about to walk into. Now, this in our series is naturally where we have been brought, isn't it? I didn't plan two weeks ago to be like, oh, let's have a moment where I say, examine yourselves. But it's healthy, isn't it? To, what's, my, what's my motivation for being here today? I think from what I can tell, you know, man looks on external appearance, God looks in the heart. I see many people in our church family that long to be here. I see many people in our church family that by the power of the spirit and depending on God, we're trying to put sin to death. That's awesome. You know, they're, they're, that, praise God, the issues that are in the church in Corinth are not the issues that are in our church. Praise God that when I've come to visit, I haven't been beaten up and told that I suck and please invite the new super apostles in to preach next week. Thank you very much. It's good. But I do want to talk about this idea of being in this middle category of where when sin is, when, when things that dishonor God are highlighted, what do we do with that feeling? What is that feeling? 
because we remember when we were like reading it out and just like, shut up, Louis. I feel real bad. You're making me feel guilty right now because you have put your finger on that one thing in my life. Or you're reflecting back to earlier in the series where you're like, you put your finger on that thing that is making me think, do I even love Jesus? Am I even a Christian? Because I'm feeling this sense of guilt. Has anyone felt that over the last few weeks? crazy sense of guilt that this word is fascinating. I, you know, it came up last night. It's come up three times in conversations this week. And I'm like, this is for the church this week. This is for us. People have said, people, I've spoken with people and they're like, but when I read this stuff in the Bible, I feel guilty that I'm not doing it. I feel guilty. I think it's really important that as we think about this text, examine ourselves Test yourselves see if, to see if Christ is in you. That's a wonderful thing to do, by the way. Coming back, contemplation, reflection. Jesus, how are we doing? You know, going to a time of prayer, picturing Jesus sitting on a stool and swinging himself around, like, how are we going? How are you going? But really, how are you going? How are we doing? The word guilt comes up a lot. I think there's a better word or a better set of words I think maybe we can use the word conviction or realization. See, I think that conviction or realization is better than the word guilt. Because if Christ is in you, you will feel conviction. If Christ is in you, you will have a realization. We used the example a few weeks ago of like, remember what repentance is? Repentance is realizing you're going one way, recognizing that it is the wrong way and turning and going in the opposite direction. If the nav man or the Google Maps was talking at you, you have gone past your destination, repent. And you go up on the wrong direction. I'm going to turn around to go this way now. Now, if you're driving in the car and your posture, your intention is heading over there and then you miss it and then you get a voice that says repent turn around do you feel guilty is it like is that a sense of guilt i, I hope not like otherwise you're putting way too much of your identity into google maps um that feeling is just like oh of course oh thank you for that sense of like oh, i was heading in the wrong direction redirect go that this way See, the posture of the Christian life, Christ and work with his people, is it's a journey, isn't it? It's a journey. It's walking with Jesus. It's the straight and narrow path. It's side by side, God saying, I'll be before you, I'll be your rear guard, and I'll be by your right-hand side with us. And there's times in our life that whether we are aware of it, very aware of it from our time in the Bible, and we know that that's our proclivity, or we haven't been aware of it yet, and someone calls it out, or the Bible calls it out as we do our quiet time and our prayer, we go, we're on the journey with Jesus. Our posture and our intention is Christ-likeness. Our posture and intention is honouring God. Now, we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. We started, we we're made in the image of God, and then we're saved to be conformed to the image of Jesus. 
So you are progressing. If you are looking more and more like Jesus as you hang out with him, you know, you're the sum average of the people you hang out, the three people you hang out with the most. Make sure that those three, three people are Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you'll be able to look more like Jesus. You can, you can play the percentages on the averages. But you're going in this direction. And then Holy Spirit is just like, Christ in you is just like, yo, whoa, Louis, wrong way. I'm like, oh, conviction, redirection, this way, not guilt. Do you, feel, do you see the difference? Guilt, conviction, redirection, realization, realization with like, oh, I'm sorry that I was doing that. Sometimes we walk too far and we know we're going in the right direction. And we're like, Lord, please forgive me. Like, I know that that was wrong. Because there is a sense of guilt, which we can buy into. And I want us to, I, I, it's important that we train ourselves in knowing the difference between condemnation and guilt that the devil wants to throw on you versus a loving correction and redirection of the Holy Spirit because Christ is in you, yeah? Because there'll be moments in your life where we will, there will be moments, it's not moments, it's all the time we'll screw up. All the time we screw up. And every time we screw up, enemy wants to get in. You're a terrible Christian. Call yourself a follower of Jesus. How on earth could you have those thoughts? Accusative. Then we feel guilt. See the difference? But what's the correction from the Holy Spirit? It's push us back to Jesus. It's run back to the Father's arms. His arms are wide open. It's like, just come home. It's okay. It's all right. It's like, I forgive you. Let's keep going. Back on the path. Let's keep going. That voice of reassurance, like the, the correction of the Holy Spirit is sweet. It's still like, oh, I have to, I have to be corrected but it's sweet. The discipline of the Lord leads to life. Condemnation of the evil one just makes us more introspective and isolates us and we feel helpless and hopeless. So when you examine yourself and ask, am I even in the faith? Am I even a Christian? Why am I even here? Whatever that, whatever the voice is that comes back, whatever the thought is that comes back, whatever the, the, the impression is that comes back in moments of confrontation. If you feel bad about something that you know that Jesus would do, That's a good sign if you're longing to look more like Jesus. If you don't care, then I would say keep hanging out with God's people. Like God says in his presence is fullness of joy. His right hands are pleasures forevermore. God offers a fresh start, renewal, forgiveness, freedom, mercy, love, eternal life. You may not be there yet to where you're Hating your sin. Keep hanging out. Because there's the interesting thing, isn't it, with Paul? He doesn't tell them what to do after they examine themselves, does he? Do you notice that? Do you notice he doesn't, he doesn't let them find themselves in a particular category so they can make a decision of what to do next? It doesn't matter where you are. If you're here today, Your restoration is what he prays for. 
your restoration. Word there can also be translated as maturing, growth. So whoever you are, wherever you find yourself, Paul is saying from verse 11, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. I'm praying for it. You can aim for it. No matter who you are, comfort one another. You do that straight away. Agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. So here's what we're going to do after thinking about those things. Paul says, examine yourselves. We get to the end of this text and we read the verse, examine yourselves. So today we're going to take some time and we're going to examine ourselves. The Bible has set the agenda for our time today. So we're going to do something that the world hates. We're going to have some silence. Oh, scary. Silence. My own thoughts. Can I please put something in my ears and put some music on? No. We're going to have a time of examination and I want to encourage you to reflect over not only today and what you might have heard, but even cast your mind back over the whole series that we've been doing in 2 Corinthians, the things that God has been bringing to mind for you. It's really easy just to scuttle away and to run off and to not let thoughts that are whirling around in our minds settle, not let the dust settle, not have bring clarity to the water, let the sediment find the bottom so we can see through. So very simply, I'm just going to lead us in a basic prayer and then I just want to give you you guys and my, even myself just time. We're just going to do business with God. Even pray that prayer, God, search me and know me. That dangerous prayer, remember that? Reveal if there's any un, unjust way within me and lead me in the paths of everlasting. So I don't know what works best for you in this time. Perhaps you want to write things down that come to mind so you can quickly get it out of your head. I find that really helpful. Something comes to mind, I'll just write it down. Okay, it's out. Keep thinking. Maybe it's uh, reciting over a psalm that you know and love. Maybe even if it's just you open up a Psalm 23 or the Lord's Prayer. You just work that through step by step, asking God in a posture of, God, what is it you want me to focus on today? As I examine myself, maybe you're like, I already know that I am a believer. I already know that I am a Christian. I already know that I have confidence in Jesus. What is it you want me to take from this today? Or maybe you're here today, you're like, man, I don't know if I am. Someone that's confident in the finished work of Jesus. Maybe today you just go, all right, God, if you're legit, I'm going to slow down and give you time to interrupt my life. Maybe he does today. Maybe he does later in your week. I'm going to that space to reflect on that. And then we're going to finish in sharing the Lord's Supper. And I want to let you know that because the Lord's Supper is a reminder 
of the forgiveness and finished fresh start that we have in Jesus. The Lord's Supper will be a way of participating in the gospel. That as you reflect, you know that your righteousness, that your good deeds that you're trying to bring to God, they've they're not, they got nothing. It's just, God, how do I live in response to your love? And so the Lord's Supper will be a moment to celebrate that after a time of contemplation and examination. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.